This is Entrepreneurs The Playbook, where each week I bring you some of the greatest athletes, celebrities, and entrepreneurs to talk about their personal and professional playbook to success. Look who's here. We are finally at the Sticky Paws Studios. You're going to see these things everywhere. We're going to have Sticky Paws everything and Junkies everything. But I feel really special to have my friends here with me because I feel like a band where like you take four of the best musicians in the world and they sit down at Benny's in New Orleans, which is across from Tipitina's, after everyone's played, and you end up with like Paul McCartney, Mick Jagger, and then you have like Bob Marley, and of course over there we have Boy George. And um, <laughs> this eclectic group. But like honestly, I sat down going, talk about a powerful conversation this is like a band getting together and jam. So we're going to jam here at Sticky Paws Studios with John Orlando, Glenn Lundy, and the Shank Dilly. That's Sean Dill, Dr. Sean Dill. Gentlemen, I just want to thank you all for everything that you do. And this is super exciting. I'm at the Super Bowl. Been with fairly well-known individuals, 35th Super Bowl that I've been to. And now you're and stuck with us. <laughs> highlight. This is a highlight, John Orlando. The <laughs> highlight of my day, hanging out with you guys and just <clears throat> rapping. So I figured we'll do a little rapid fire. I'm going to come up with a subject matter or a topic. You guys, we're just going to riff off of that. So let's start with some of the better things. Gambling. What are oh. you thinking, Glenn Lundy? I'm thinking that um, fucking love gambling. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God, because we get a free suite and free food at Caesars because he loves gambling. I I, I love it, and and because I love it, I stay away from it most of the time. (laughs) That's why your voice sounds the way it does. It used to be a problem. Is there gambling back home? It used to be a problem, Sean. (laughs) Oh, for real. It used to be a problem. Where would you go back home? Like, what's closest casino to you? Nothing, but I used to live in, when I lived in Flagstaff, Arizona, I'd come out here to Vegas, Laughlin, the Indian casinos, like yeah. all that shit was a problem for yeah. really, really, really You weren't really spinning dice in Kentucky against the wall? <laughs> no, <laughs> in the movies. no, 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 none of that. But no, man, fucking, I used to study roulette wheels in middle school. I used to draw roulette wheels. <laughs> But I knew all the I different study things. Roulette I wheels. studied blackjack. I, I studied all the games. I wanted to be a pit boss. That's That's right. I wanted to go to UNLV and I wanted to be a pit boss. Dude. You'll appreciate this. The old school roulette wheel is the best. The one that's like a deep dish with a ball just drops oh, yeah. in. Now oh, yeah. it has that. It does this. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's no good. It's a, you know, they had to switch shit up because you <laughs> yeah. can get all the rivets and pattern. But yeah, man, so I freaking I, I, gambling, it. love it. Try not to do it very often. And you, okay. you grew up. Around Vegas and I mean, in Vegas, my, you are Vegas. Yeah, my dad takes the blame for my gambling addiction because he's like, "It's my fault." I, you know, the Riviera coffee shop. Uh, you know, you hand him a Kino, you hand him a Kino ticket, and my dad would just put up the money. Like, you know, pick a number. If it comes up, you get a dollar. If you get, you know, five right. numbers, you get five dollars. And I'd be making all these t- Kino tickets. He's like, "I hooked him. I hooked him." I love it. Yeah. Shit, I didn't even think about that. I let my kids do that at the, at the local little bar yeah. in Paris, Kentucky. Pick out numbers for Little Kino. degenerates you're raising over there. Not. So my dad was a compulsive gambler, and for me, gambling is hot and cold, right? I, I think of all the pain, like having a dad when you're in law school and getting loans to go to law school call you from the riverboat in Mississippi and telling you, hey, I got $58,000, I'm up, I'm going to come and pay for your law school, and then never show up and you know why oh, and then no. too embarrassed to talk to you for a year but nonetheless L- that's a real deal real deal a year wow. yeah and wow it, because of shame and, and ironically i always enjoyed gambling but always had that caution yeah there and then i started dating my wife and i think this will show you her dad was a compulsive gambler but the lessons she learned were a little different than me so our very first date 
in Las Vegas, right? We live in San Diego at the time. Yeah. So I fly out here, super, you know, I've outkicked my coverage. You guys know my wife, right? So I'm sitting there going, oh, she is so hot. I, and I win four grand playing craps, right? I buy in for 500. Right. I'm the yeah. kind of guy, I walk away after 1,000 because of that caution, right? And so I'm up four grand and I'm with my dream girl from the fourth grade, wow. super hot. And it's only like two in the morning. So I'm thinking, this may be one of the best nights of my life. Yeah. And we walk by the stupid Wheel of Fortune machine, mm. right? And she's like, please, I love this machine. I'm mm. like, of course, you know, here. Yeah. 100 bucks. She wins 2100 on the first goddamn roll. Come on. And then I'm like, awesome. Let's go to the room. It'll be the best 30 seconds of your life. <laughs> you know, this is going to be amazing. And she's like, no, no, it's hot. I sat there till six in the morning until she no. lost all that twenty one hundred, and then was and then, begging me for the four grand. Right. And I'm like, not a effing chance. And, and too depressed for the thirty seconds. Exactly. Right, at that right. point, I was too tired. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So uh, that's my best gambling story. But I do think that when it comes to entertainment, yeah, if you have discipline to consider craps or roulette or poker as an entertainment fee, yeah. Especially like if you look at what the sphere costs to go, which is awesome, by the way, or some of the other things you can do in a night, you know, $14,000 uh, club uh, booth yeah, yeah, with, yeah. with drinks. Right. right. Yeah. I think it's a bargain to stand up at a craps table for 500 to 1000 bucks in a night, scream your butt off, drink. It's one of the best times for the money. Yeah. yeah. Don't yeah. spend 14 grand on a table no. at a nightclub. Take, just blow 4000 at the tables and keep 10. <laughs> No, I say that as my girlfriend works at a nightclub. Probably not. The <laughs> best. Don't bite the hand I'm that feeds you, Sleeping out back boy. tonight. Uh, yeah. Yeah, 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 all right, yeah. all right. All right, Mr. Fun, drinking Mr. tequila. Fun. The yeah. silent assassin over yeah. here. Graduated chiropractic college in 1995, moved to San Jose, Costa Rica. 1995, San Jose, Costa Rica is the home of offshore internet gambling. Yeah. So eventually I make a little money. It takes me a couple years. All of my neighbors are bookies. So here's online what, bookies. Online bookies. Yeah. Most of which are not allowed back in right. the States. All of the popular ones at that yeah, time. If they want to keep right. their money. If they want to keep their Bow money. Bodog, all those places. All, yeah. Yep. Bet Chris. Even yep. Yeah, yeah. Them. Yeah. Math. So I think the, and this might be the segue to the next topic. Hmm. If we can separate the culture from math, we can separate the culture from their money. So gambling's all about math. It's yep. about odds. Statistics. If you and that's why so baseball's the easiest sport to win. Right, because it's all it's all statistics, right? It's all about math. And also you can never win if you get the closing line. So don't wait. Everybody that's walking up at the end, you're getting the closing line. The the betting public has bet the line to that closing line. Yep. And the books have leveled out, right? The on both sides of the bet. So now you're the sucker. You're you're basically betting on the on the fifty fifty here. Early lines, that's where the money is in math. I think that if you understand math. You know, that's what keeps you from going in and yeah. taking uh, wild bets even at the casino. You've got to know, you have to know math. If you I don't know math, math, you don't know money. Well you don't done. Don't know math, <laughs> you don't know money. So let's talk about knowing money. Because you're right, I love math and I love being on time. Uh, where else do you think, and we'll circle back. I'm going to start with mathematician over here himself. <laughs> he kind of looks like Poindexter. Um, more importantly. Boy George. Boy George. Boy George. <laughs> Sean Dill, the shank dilly of himself. Where do you think also we can apply that same type of philosophy where math should dictate what we're doing. Mm. Well, you know, everything we do, I think, is is mathematical. Th this also, I mean, I'm not making it political, but this whole thing of like common core. If we can confuse you about math, we can confuse you in essence about life, right? We can take away your ability to reason, to apply logic. 
So yes, time. Uh, we also have then just the calculation of, I mean, even in relationships, that comes down to math. It comes down to being, you talk a lot about quantifiable value, right? And quantitative value. And so really what we're doing is if we can, if we eliminate that, there is no quantitative value. Everything is abstract. Everything just subjective. doesn't matter. Everything becomes subjective. So I, I literally think that in all elements of our life, like math is a, is a core principle. And look, I'm half Japanese. Asian people are typically known for being good at math, right? But Only if it's the eyebrows up. If you're <laughs> half Asian from the eye, if it's the waist down, you're screwed. Oh my God. You're kind of like a Jew, like me. <laughs> Who are also people good always at tell math. me, I swear they're to God, they're like, good oh, dude, I'm half Jewish. I'm like, I hope it's from the eyebrows up. <laughs> but yeah, wow. I'm going to go with everything in life is a mathematical equation. That is awesome. So for me, math is really Ooh, important shit. because we're making an investment in some respect all the time yeah and for me understanding alignment of timing and risk tolerance is essential uh in everything that i do and aligning with the activities in the day or in a negotiation or managing and developing a vision in a relationship or my favorite joke which is have you heard about the 60 second lover mm. about a minute <laughs> and then uh, things like that are really math related <laughs> but if you understand math you can calculate how to not avoid disappointment, but avoid feeling shameful and resentful of decisions. Because if you know your timing and risk tolerance in a decision, if it's aligned with the timing and risk tolerance, you, you may be disappointed that you didn't win the lottery, but you're, you're not shameful or resentful that you bought the lottery ticket. Because mm -hmm. what happened aligned with the timing and risk tolerance. And I wish more people would use that math before they make especially important decisions uh, like buying a house or paying for education. Uh, because if I can get people to align with math, the timing and risk tolerance in any investment, substantial investment, at least I can keep them away from interfering with continually trying and pursuing their potential because they're not resentful or shameful in the decision that they made. I love that. Uh, I have a question back to you, nice. uh, math. Uh, so would you, do you see playing the stock market the same as gambling? Is it is it, is there an argument to make that it's the same? And does is there a world in your brain where blackjack could actually make more sense if you could manage your bankroll properly than playing the stock market? Absolutely. But now we're now we're on to stock markets, nameless, faceless people control the game. So that's an interesting part. So if you are one of the nameless, faceless people and can manipulate the market, then no. Then <laughs> you're 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 winning. But if we are the people that are coming in, then we are actually at a disadvantage. Unlike blackjack, which is just running on a statistic, there's a certain number of cards in the deck, right? And so there's a statistical probability of what the next card is going to be based off of the number of the cards that are still remaining in the deck and the number of cards that have been played. Stock market doesn't work like that. On any given day, even though all of the indicators say this is going to go great, the earnings came out, the nameless, faceless people still have the ability to tank that particular stock by selling, right? Yeah. Against all rhyme or reason, right. So I think that actually the stock market requires even a higher risk tolerance because that's a, a realm where you think we're working off math, but there is a subjective component based off what the nameless, faceless people are doing. That's well said. I yeah, their like share prices really don't have shit to do with the math. Like it's got nothing to do with I've profitability. It's more like the line. I've been a CEO. It's, it's the line. It's the line. Wait, wait, wait. It's exactly but I've been a CEO. Right. I have right. been a CEO right. of a public company and had no clue what my stock would do. 
Be, like, right. Because of that, like they, they had all the shorts against it, and you didn't know who the soft hands or the hard hands were, and there was so much manipulation right. of where it's at. And even if you guys have read uh, Isaacson's book on Musk, when he bought Twitter, there was so much literally manipulation and muscling going on mm. with the world's biggest billionaires, including Musk, right. where, you know, this guy's like, I'm not going to convert my shares over into the private Musk company. And he had to guarantee that he would pay the $54 a share Musk right, right to the founder of Twitter. And I'm thinking, this is a street hustle. Uh-huh. Right. Like, and, and so I would rather play blackjack mm-hmm. than buy a stock. Wow. <laughs> I was not expecting that. Or, yes, I wasn't roulette. sure, but I've I wasn't doing expecting it right that. all these or, years. Or roulette. I'd rather play roulette where it's really simple. Come on. Right? I would rather just play roulette than buy a stock. Yeah. <laughs> Real simple math. It's, it's, uh, it's funny. When it comes to numbers, I love numbers. I love math. I've always loved math. Uh, but it all started with the human calculator. You guys ever meet Scott Flansburg? Do you guys remember that guy? A guy no. named Scott Flansburg. He's the he's the human calculator. He's in the Guinness Book of World Records. <laughs> I love for this. All the, for all this I gotta stuff, Google right? it. And so back in I guess uh me and James were 12, 13 years old. So whenever that was, 33 years ago, me and my buddy James were sitting watching TV and a commercial came on for the human calculator. It was an infomercial for the human calculator. And this dude's doing all this shit. And me and James are like, wow, this is freaking crazy. Well, James was my rich friend. So James picks up the phone. He orders this, orders this human calculator thing. Comes in a few weeks later, whatever it is. James looks at it. He's like, dude, you take it, man. I don't want to do any <laughs> all of this stuff. Right? So I dig in, dude. And it's the craziest thing. It teaches you why so many people struggle with math. And how to fix it, right? So we learn to read before we learn before we learn how to do math. And you learn you read how? Left to right. Left to right. And Lesser so you, Hebrew. So you spend right. <laughs> so you spend all this time learning to read. You program your brain to go left to right. And then they start showing you math and they tell you what? Go right to left. That's why the Jews you know, again like, Hebrew so right to left. Asian read top down. Oh. Yeah. So so uh, Scott Flansburg teaches top down left to right. Like you you know if I've got two three digit numbers two hundred and forty three and six hundred and ninety seven I'm just gonna add the two to the six and I'm gonna add the four oh, to cool. the three. So you just you're doing a running total in your mind. Yeah. And you can do multiplication, division, subtraction, all that stuff going left to right. So I learned it that way. Hmm. And math has always been a huge part of my life. It's gotten me it's, you know, tons of opportunities, it's gotten me jobs. Half, you know, half of my success I can attribute to Scott Flansburg. And what was crazy is when we were on Clubhouse and Clubhouse was popping off everywhere. When you were in charge. He popped into the room. When you were in charge. Scott Flansburg. Yeah, That's I was awesome. like oh, human calculator. So I got to thank him for making That's his tapes. Thirty wow. years ago. All right, Johnny Orlando. Yeah. Uh, to this measure, uh, we all have learned lessons. Uh, paid the dummy tax, and I'm always curious in financial literacy and understanding all the experiences we've had. We've made more money than most people. We've lost more money than most people, and gained it back. What is the one lesson you wish? Financial lesson, not the whole "ask me for help" thing. Uh, but what's one financial tip or financial lesson? that you've learned that you wish somebody would have told you when you're 18? Oh man, so many. Um, I did, I grew up, I did not respect the dollar, man. 
I didn't. It, at, at you all. lived in Vegas, you know, bro. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> growing up the way I grew up, I just, you know, it was basically silver spoon. I wouldn't say I was spoiled. I, I had a good attitude, but I definitely was not uh, in the world of reality when it comes to like what it takes to make money, save money, all of that stuff. And um, I blew through so much money. Like my dad once told me, you know, multiple times, like, just take 10% of what you make and put it away. Just take 10%. It just doesn't exist. And by the time you're now 50, I'll be 53 now. I'm 54. I'll be 54 in September. Thank you. Um, He was like, by the time you're 50, you're going to be loaded. Just 10%. Just keep putting it away. I wish I would have done that. I wish I would have done that. That is amazing, right? The simple things to do are simple not to do. Yeah. He even went so far as, I remember, this was, I was already like 25 maybe. We're in Beverly Hills. He drives me down El Camino uh, Street, which is where WME is. Yeah. Right? William Morris. And uh, he goes, they own the whole block. That whole block on both sides is WME, right? He goes, you see this whole block? I go, yeah. He goes, you see all that whole block? I go, yeah. He says, don't ever underestimate the power of 10%. Mm. That whole block is built off of 10%. That's what they take as an agent, right? 10%. Right. Yeah. Incredible. That's the way uh, Lee Steinberg did it at 3%, which was the cap for the NFL as an NFL agent, 3%. And it's amazing as we looked over uh, that uh, beautiful island there, Newport Center Drive, uh, the power of 3%. How about you, Sean? I'd say that the the biggest lesson for me, and I'd say actually probably learning this or proving this out through COVID, is that money is not a thing, and I think that's a super you know it's a, powerful. It, if you grow up in 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 a nine to five family like I did, money is a thing. You're trying to get it. You're trying to save it. You're 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 it, you're, you're, you're going after this thing. Then all of a sudden you realize like it's energy. It's everywhere. You walk into a casino, I mean, and we think about even today with electronic transactions, money is literally flying around this room. It's being transacted. Maybe we're not transacting it because we're doing this, but it's being transacted. It's everywhere. But then the idea, you know, our parents would say like, you know, money doesn't grow on trees. This idea that money cannot be created out of nothing, which is actually not true. Money can be created just out of thin air. You can provide value. You just show up. You decide, hey, you can just I print the shit idea. if you're government. Well, that yeah. was well, that was <laughs> you what happened. Have to right? print it. Just give somebody a loan on well, the that, house. Well, that was a big lesson. I think you've that four hundred grand that, well, out of nowhere. Yeah. Well, through COVID, that was the big thing. As people said, like the government's printing money. And I actually looked into this. It's interesting. The government actually has bank accounts at at the major banks, and all they do is they, unlike us, they just have the ability to just type in. One trillion dollars, and then bang, it's in there. And so there is no printing anymore. They didn't have to like say fire up the printing press. We're doing these COVID relief checks. They just make it. And then when you realize, like, since they just made the money out of nothing, why yeah. wouldn't we be able to tap into the same system? We we all have that ability to do that. And I think that 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 idea that money doesn't grow on trees that's very limiting because we're just trying to get you know as much as we could stack on the table. You really can get it, you know. As much as you want. The other thing is that money right now, and I love this. Another thing that I learned is that money really is a spiritual concept. And then the the reason why is because in spirituality, things, if you're saying like your God or universal intelligence can exist in multiple places at the same time. Well, money can actually exist in multiple places at the same time. So where is your money right now? So some people would say it's in the bank. Some people would say it's in my wallet, but it's actually, it's in your phone. You can look at it. It's in that app. It's in your money's anywhere you want it to be. 
So it's, it's everywhere and nowhere. If you can really land and grasp on that, then it really has infinite possibility to be created, but also, like you were talking about, it has infinite possibility to be destroyed. In, in that illusion, Glenn, you, is my lesson that I learned. And it's perceived values and illusion, bottom line is math. Mm. And this idea that the better we get in the illusion of articulating the quantitative value of an illusion and the comfort level in which we articulate that value creates more value in the illusion. But you need to know both uh, in any transaction of money. You need to know your comfort level of articulating a quantitative value of an illusion, but also the math. And once you know that, every single one of your transactions is at ease because you know that you can increase the value of anything by being comfortable in articulating the illusion, mm -hmm. and, but also you know when to walk away instead of negotiating against yourself, feeling shame and resentment because you gave it away too cheap. So you need to go in, practice in, in rehearsal of the quantitative comfortable ex, uh, execution on your perceived value or illusion, but also too many people just don't know their bottom line. And if you know that going in, all of the things that I do today are so much easier than that whole buying, selling, and losing and winning. It's just understanding my future relies on my comfortable, confident ability to articulate an illusion. Mm. Amen to that, brother. Any, uh, you were homeless at one time. Anything about money that's changed from your, your mindset when you were lying in front of my beach house on the beach homeless compared to being one of the more wealthy friends that I have? Well, just, you know. I've Can I borrow your private jet? <laughs> uh, anytime, bro. Anytime you. you can borrow the jet, of course. Thank you. Um, no, man, I think the biggest lesson that I've learned that I wish I would have learned sooner is that we are stupid animals and we believe things that just simply are true, right? And we've been. We have these agreements, right, that we've made in our minds that came from our parents and then maybe came from their parents and came from their parent parents. Genetic and energetic inheritance. Right, for okay. thousands and thousands of years, right? And so I'm just, especially as I'm starting to get up there a few, you know, a little bit in years, I'm Closer just starting to, to realize, <laughs> right? I'm starting to realize, like, golly, man, I'm... I'm so dumb. There's so many things I don't know. <laughs> I agree with know. that. Finally, I agree with something that Glenn says. <laughs> yeah, right? Like, there's so many things I don't know. Right? I think in my, I'll put it this way. In my 20s, I thought I knew everything. Yep. In my 30s, I realized I knew some things. Now I'm in my 40s, and I realize I know nothing. Of course. Right? Yeah. And then in your but 50s, you realize you forgot everything you did know. Exactly. And you're back to knowing nothing. So yeah. especially around money, James, just all the... You know, we're as now that I have my own company and so on and so forth. I'm just, there's so many things with taxes and the way the way things are set up structurally, and uh, I'm just looking back, going, "Golly, I wasted a lot of time not learning this stuff." Like I should have been reading books about this stuff when I was 15. I should have been someone should have been teaching financial literacy to me at some point versus me learning from my broke parents who learned from their broke parents who learned from their broke parents. All right, la last thing as we finish up. Um, we've all been influenced by different people. We've been uh, in seen and read all, all types of things. If you could, in all of history, sit down with one person for an hour, dead or alive, 
Who's it going to be? We'll start with the shank dealer. Oh, man. Well, mine's boring, though. Is it? Yeah. It makes I'm, something else up. It's an illusion. Well, no. It's, it, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to... We, we talked about this at least today. I'm going to go with uh, B.J. Palmer. He is the uh, founder That's and developer <laughs> of chiropractic. Um, I mean, I just think that... The Green Book. He wrote 39 books, right? Yeah. He, he wrote um, extensively about this philosophy that the... There is an innate intelligence that the innate intelligence of the body heals the body as long as it's not interfered with. And that philosophy applies physically. But then, you know, meeting you and you're already talking about this. You talk about interference and alignment, which is a chiropractic concept from 1895 that you're applying then to life. Having never even read that, um, I think that, you know, man, we just live in this world where every solution that we're looking for, we're looking for on the outside. We, there's a pill, potion, and lotion for every sickness, for everything that goes wrong. There's a, an external reason for everything. When in reality, we were created to be perfect. We were created to be successful. We were created to be healthy. But if we interfere with that, we become sick. If we interfere with that, that's what you talk about, then we become in a state of lack, in a state of dis-hyphenated ease. We yeah. lose ease. Um, and how do you come up with that? I mean, I... I also would like to sit down though with the, with the with the first person who figured out to take the peel off the orange. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I got to hit this on the invention side, then I'll give you my one person because I, I have to hit on this because this drive this is my entrepreneurial lesson is that the majority of the people on earth, majority of the people on earth, sit on the toilet one or two days, one or two times a day, right? Almost everyone on earth now, mm -hmm. and for years. They sat there staring at this toilet paper holder that had a spring. And that thing caused all kinds of problems. It would get lost. It literally didn't work. It, right? We all know exactly the problem with yep. the spring toilet paper holder. Wait, you lost the you lost that thing? Yeah, I live in a fraternity. Have anyway, you? Yeah. You've lost the... the... No. Oh, you don't have yes. seen houses that don't I've, have I've them? lost the thing. Yeah, I have thing. seven kids. Okay, but the, nonetheless, my, my kids think about this. everything. There's all <laughs> these people out there that are supposed to be co-creators staring at that thing one or two times a day. And nobody thought that maybe it'd be a better idea just to take like a stick with a little knob on it so it doesn't fall off. <laughs> I look at every toilet paper holder now going, how the hell it's did flawed. I think of that? Yeah. Like, I'm trying to make money some other way when I could have just said, right. you know what, there's a better way to hold this toilet paper. And uh, But, you know, my initial thought always uh, was Jesus. Because, and the reason I wanted to sit down with Jesus originally was because I thought I could solve so much today of confusion. If I could sit down and then be able to say, hey, you know, number one, this is what this guy existed and this is who he was and what he thinks. And I'd have a whole list of questions. Um but I'm moving towards someone new. And it's because I study him so much. I'm almost to the point away from Jesus to Einstein. Wow. Because okay. almost what you, you say, like how the hell did this guy download or understand so far ahead of every other Nobel winner, all the geniuses, and then also become the biggest and greatest brand ever created in the world still today with no social, no TV. This guy, you, I, I was in Kenya on the Masamaya with the Masamaya warrior. And I said, hey man, if I asked who the biggest genius in history is, who would you say? Without blinking, this warrior said, Einstein. Mm. Like I, I really would love to 
figure that out. If it wasn't for what I think I could resolve in peace by meeting Jesus, I almost would rather meet Einstein just by, I think I would learn more about the universe than even Jesus could teach me. Well, one, one thing I wanted to say on that. Yeah. So I think it was you that was talking about Oppenheimer. Yeah. Right. And then Einstein's role in that, in that show or that movie. Um, so my, my uh, proposal of BJ Palmer, he intersects past with Einstein as well. And Einstein calls BJ the smartest man he ever met. One other thing that I think no is way. yeah, and one other so thing good. that I think is crazy it was because of that. So I'm thinking Oppenheimer, B.J. Palmer, Einstein. In that time, it was real. Like we just spent a day going out, and you know, you're you're at Radio Row, and you meet these people, and it's all you know, your 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 street cred and your cloud is based off of social media, basically. At that time, it was real. You know, you you had people that traveled around the country sat in a, in a group and either you could hold your own or you couldn't. Right. right. If or lecture. Yes. Or right. lecture. Right. But everybody knew like, okay, this guy stays, this guy stays, this guy stays, get that one. He doesn't know what he's talking about. It was very clear in today's world. That's super clouded because it's easy to be someone that you're not right. on social media. That's so good. Yeah. I mean, obviously there's so many, like when you talk about inventors, you know, early on with Jefferson, I mean, there's so many, so I'm more going to go more modern it's Steve Jobs for me. I, mm. I don't I don't know if anyone has changed the world more or at least been the catalyst to like really open the floodgates with technology than Steve Jobs. Uh, and, did you ever meet him? I never met, I him. met him. You yeah, met him? I have and I also Nice guy or no? So most of the geniuses are on the spectrum because they vibrate at a different frequency. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I never met Einstein, but I bet he was. Musk definitely is. Mm -hmm. Jobs definitely is. And Zuckerberg def definitely is. And yep. so when I met him, it was very, I, I just was with Dropbox yesterday and the CEO founder of Dropbox, billionaire, it was the same thing. They just vibrated a different right. frequency. So when people are on the spectrum, they're less empathetic and less emotionally intelligent. And that's what Musk gets blamed for all the time, right? Yep. He just doesn't have the capacity right. to feel and that's the way I felt with Steve Jobs. It's just that, almost like a robot, almost. Yeah, just no empathy and extremely fierce in achieving what they want to achieve. Focused, hmm. the drive, but the definite genius was there. And just what I love about Jobs most, and what I respect, is that he's the first true entrepreneur at that level of changing the world that was more concerned about the consumer in their experience yep. than their own invention. Mm. Yep. Like his magic, like I was CEO of the world's first smartphone uh, of that company. It was a Windows CE device. It wow. wasn't an Apple device. It was called the PCE phone. But they were only concerned about the technology. Right. He was concerned. He took technology that was already there. He enhanced it for one thing, user interface, including down to the package. Right. When the minute right. you got your first whatever Apple product package, game it was changer. Game changer. Yeah. You, you felt almost like in love with the box. Yep. Mm -hmm. And how easy when you just open it up and it worked compared to your ThinkPad. Yep. He was, that's what he made understood him both sides of it. Definitely. Which is almost. And Wozniak helped uh, execute just like yep. Musk has these genius engineers that execute on his vision. Just like, by the way, Einstein wasn't a great mathematician, he, he was a theoretical physicist that has understood applied mathematics, but he would have to have the mathematical genius prove out his physics theories. And I think Jobs was the same way and Musk is the same way. Hmm. My You're turn. up. You're up. 
Britney Spears 20 years ago, Margot <laughs> Robbie today, Jennifer Aniston Lisa Ann. 25 years ago, <laughs> Lisa uh, Cindy Ann. Crawford, uh, you know, I could quite Kelly Bundy. Look, look, I, like I take Bundy. I take Christy Brinkley today at 70. I Whatever Christy, Christy Brinkley, Brinkley is doing, bro, everyone needs to real. copy. Exactly. Seriously. My wife said the other day, she goes, I hope I look like that when I'm 70. I'm She's like, me too. the female Dick Clark, right? It's yeah. like, it just doesn't age. Seriously. Like you, bro. Yeah. <laughs> but no, on a, on, a, on, a, on a more serious Note. Oh, I thought you were uh, serious. Well, you, too, you know, if you can of, only spend, I wanted to right, swap. You know, if you can spend time with one, I wanted to change my answer. Long time, I want to change like, my answer. Might as well be good to look at, right? Yeah. Um, ultimately, my initial thought also would have been Jesus, as far as the the most impactful influencer in the history of all time is the way I look at that. Uh, but since let you already me, said that, but let me say on that yeah. because you said that and you said yeah. that. You know why I would not pick Jesus? Yeah. Why? Either it's going to be something absolutely disappointing. Yeah, it's either going to be life-changing and he and and because there's right, there's both sides. There's people that that was son of God and there's a, not a lot of argument of whether or not that's an individual, so we bring and then it's either like, "Whoa, my whole world, my belief system was validated and holy smokes." Or he's like, no, I was a prophet. Like they, like, I was so, a contractor. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> you need your uh, door hung. <laughs> so that could be one that you like go away. Like I, I had my one wish. Yeah. But, but 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 here's but here's the thing though. Like Jesus, God, not God, doesn't matter. Jesus, in a time period multiple thousands of years ago, his life has shaped everything that in the, like our that's entire what world. I, that's today. what I would say. So unless, whether, unless he unless he sat with you and was like. No, no, no. That but I'm just saying whether, whether he but, but there was a guy named John. His life, he walked in a certain way that his light and his impact on this planet, we base our time, our what year we're in, our everything, our, our, everything's based on his life. So whether he carried his life as a carpenter putting up sticks, but he talked to people a certain way, obviously he was he was impactful, right? Whether he walked on water or he nailed in pieces of wood. That we're talking about the dude. That, that's why I wanted to talk. So to him. that that would be my thing, uh, but I guess the, uh, so. Put put Jesus to the side and Britney Spears <laughs> and, and Britney Spears. Because yeah, I I Britney? love the fact that these two are in the same conversation. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's yeah. right. First right. time ever. Ago. <laughs> we, we Let's clarify. By the way, it's twenty year ago. Britney Spears. Okay. okay. Not the, you don't want not current. The, I don't want current. Not crazy. Right. You don't not want crazy. train wreck Britney. Martin Luther King Jr. Oh, oh, good that's one. Okay. I love to that's oh, look at the three one. white guys are easy, yeah, whatever. Like, oh, yeah. Uh, oh, shit. How do we forget that? <laughs> oh, everybody, quick debate. No, uh, Warren Moon. Warren Moon. <laughs> Jackie Robinson. Best player ever. I feel compelled. Forget Otani. I didn't mean yeah. to offend you. <laughs> I feel compelled to bring people together, equip them with the tools they need to succeed, and inspire them to be great. Like, oh. That's... That's what I do and or try to do with every minute of my life, and he did it best in the most recent years, bringing people together, equipping them with the tools they needed to succeed, and inspiring them to be great. And in doing so, you know, it's changed the world. So I'd love to have lunch with him. It would be amazing. That's well a said, Glenn Lundy. Great like way to end her. I like that one. So, in that light, I hang out with people by the content of the character. I've learned to surround myself with the right people in the right ideas and if us four don't get back together again and put the band back together then not only are we missing out but i guarantee the collective community of people that want to help each other and know people that can help each other are missing out as well we got to figure out a name for this show it might just be the sticky paws 
uh, with four fingers, whatever you want to say. <laughs> I like <laughs> it. We'll leave this one I out. I like it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, I just want to thank all of you. You're my thank closest you. friends, and I can't think of a better way to spend Super Bowl with four of these Hall of Famers here. Glenn Lundy, John Orlando, myself, and of course, Shank Daly, Dr. Sean Dale. You can join all of us, follow all of us, and once again, come visit us at the Sticky Paws Studio, the greatest studios here in Las Vegas. Thanks, boys.